Welcome back to Fresno, where BYU falls by a score of 20-13. to 13. So that is it. BYU will miss a bowl game for the first time since 2004. BYU will have a losing record in a season for the first time since 2004. Mark, let's recap our scoring. Well, uh, Fresno State uh, got it started with a field goal in their opening drive and then scored a touchdown uh, with uh, Jordan Mims. So it was 10 to nothing in favor of Fresno State at half. BYU got two field goals in their... Excuse me. No, that's right. They got two field goals in their second quarter. One was a... 46-yard field goal by Rhett Almond, and the other one was a 27-yard field goal. So it was 10-6 at halftime. Fresno State takes this opening drive in the second half again. That's twice that they started the half with a score. Fresno drives it down and gets a 46-yard field goal, giving Fresno State a lead of 6-13. to But BYU recovers on their very next possession, and they get a touchdown on this play. Ball between the hashes. Mangum in the gun. Claps the hands waist high. Hand off Squally. Stops at the five. Into the end zone he goes! Squally Canada scores! Oh, Canada! The Cougars make it 13-12 with the PAT pending. PAT was good by Rhett Allman, making it 13-13. That drive was 75 yards, 11 plays, and converted two third downs in that possession. But unfortunately, on Fresno State's very next possession, they answer with an 88-yard drive for a touchdown, a two-yard run by Jordan Mims. PAT good by uh, Jimmy Camacho and makes that final score 20-13 to in favor of Fresno State. Let's take a look at your Ken Garf keys to the game. We look at them pregame and postgame. They're brought to you by Ken Garf, Honda, Nissan, and Volkswagen. Proud supporters of BYU and the Cougar community. We hear Cougs. What were your pregame keys to the game? Well, they needed to create short fields. That's what I thought uh, to improve their chances to score. But uh, BYU moved the ball adequately on the one short field they did have. They didn't score. And they only had one short field on the night, on the entire night. So of the the, the the nine drives BYU had, only one started outside the Cougar 27-yard line. That was the 48-yard line of BYU, and they turned the ball over on downs. A fourth and one in which Squally Canada was not in the game. He was the best thing BYU had going on the ground, and he wasn't in. Yeah. And one of the stories of this season, Mark, comes down to fourth downs. Four for 18 on the year. Those are important plays, obviously. Some less so than others, depending on the time yeah. of the game. But those are the hard yards, and that was the theme tonight. And BYU didn't, yeah. didn't make enough of them. And against San Jose, every fourth down they tried, they were successful three in completing. Three. Yeah, but one makes for the a rest difference. Of the season, one yeah. for the rest of the season. No, I'm just saying yeah. that's the difference yeah. that it makes yeah. in a game when you're able to convert those. Be ready to play at the start. Boy, you just have to be ready. And in the start of the football game in the first quarter. Fresno State got 10, BYU got 0. So I, I thought that they were okay, but they just weren't quite prepared to deal with everything. And then number three, prevent the big play, force Fresno State to work to score. They only had that one, but it was a 50-yard pass that set them up for their first touchdown. Final score, 20-13. to 13. Tanner Mangum's game ended early. His first half ended early. Came back injured in the second half. Hurt the other ankle. His night was done on 20 of 33 for a buck 63. No touchdowns, no picks. BYU without a touchdown throw tonight. And no interceptions, but they did have one huge turnover. It ended the game for BYU. Passer rating for Mangum, suboptimal, 102.1. Hodge, south of that, 72.8. He was 3 of 10, 51 yards. Didn't do much when he came in. 
three rushes minus two. So uh, Bo Hodges, Utah State Magic, not in evidence tonight for BYU. Squally Canada was a bright spot. 12 carries, 84 yards, touchdown run, average of seven yards per carry, but only 12 carries on the night. Leading receiver, Matt Bushman, three yards away from 100. Nine catches, 97 yards, but uh, the play in which he gives up the ball seals the deal for Fresno State tonight. Helmet to ball, popped out of his arms, hard hit that Bushman took, but it was a turnover, the only giveaway in this game, and it was the difference maker on this night. Fresno State's Marcus McMarion, 14 for 20, a passer rating of 143, no touchdown passes for the Bulldogs either. Their leading ground gainer, 59 yards, modest. Leading receiver, Damari Scott, 61 yards. Sean Johnson, 47. A so-so night offensively for Fresno State, 310 yards, 20 points, but BYU, despite outgaining Fresno State, State, despite more first downs than Fresno State, despite more plays than Fresno State, even on three third down conversions, 50% for the first time this year for BYU, that one number, one turnover ends up being the difference maker tonight. I say difference maker, BYU gave it away yeah. early in a the drive. They needed to go a long ways to score. They didn't get the chance to do so as that Would have been fun forced. to see, yeah, Would've that's been all. Fun to see, but it did end the game for BYU. So... Some good things happen, but as has been the theme this season, not enough of them. And BYU's held down to only 13 points on the night and fall by a score of 20 to 13. Of course, it's Fresno State's closest game that they've had this year. They they have lost a couple, Alabama, Washington, and UNLV. But on the other hand, uh, this is the first game that they've really been in a game, I think, besides the UNLV game. We haven't been in this position for a long time to where with this many games left in the year, BYU already knows... They won't, be, won't be going bowling. And, and even back in 2004, the last time they finished with a losing record and missed a bowl, they were 5-5 five and five going into the final game. They knew that had they beaten Utah, they would have gone to a, game, a bowl game, and they lost that game to finish 5-6. and six. In 2003, BYU was 4-5 and five going into the final three games, knowing they could still get to a bowl game in the last month, and didn't happen. But now we know... The first week of November, BYU's not playing in the postseason, and we know BYU will finish with a losing record no matter what happens yeah. here in the final three weeks. BYU's now 2-8. and eight. So hasn't happened for a long time, but it'll happen this year. I know that people aren't going to like what I'm going to say right now, but uh, Fresno State was a solid football team. I was very impressed with their aggressive play on the defense. Their offensive line is really good. And I feel as though that BYU played them straight up. You know, now people are going to say it's Fresno State. You're talking about them playing them straight up. You got to beat Fresno State, and I agree that they should have beaten Fresno State, and they had an opportunity. But on the other hand, they played them tough. It was Fresno State coming into this game. I was very concerned, and I thought BYU did a good job in their preparation and their effort. Well, the wise guys in Vegas thought Fresno would do better than it did tonight. They thought they'd win by more than they did tonight. Uh, BYU falls by seven, and the bottom line is BYU falls. That is yeah, the end, yeah, right. That's the end story here tonight. We'll uh, come back to Fresno for more postgame coverage. Jason Shepard staying up late with us. He's got Cougar Postgame Live. Post him. Cougar Postgame Live next here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. The clock has hit zero, and this one is in the books. 
It's time for Cougar Postum Post Game Live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Postum Post Game Live. Postum, there's a reason. Post game coverage is also brought to you by Provo Land Title. In 1966, we started with a simple goal service. 50 years later, that goal is now a tradition. And by America First Credit Union, Utah's number one credit union and your winning financial team. Now, let's join your host, Jason Shepard. Welcome into Cougar Post Game Live, your final tonight from Bulldog Stadium. In Fresno, California, the Cougars fall to the Bulldogs by a final score of 20-13. to 13. If you'd like to chime in on tonight's matchup, you can tweet me at JSN Shep. Before we move any further, though, let's quickly pause 10 seconds for station identification on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. KBYU FM, HD2, Provo. You're listening to Cougar Sports on BYU Radio. Welcome back into Cougar Postum Post Game Live. Jason Shepard with you. An interesting game for BYU, and yes, it was a loss. Yes, the loss means officially that BYU will not go to a bowl game the first time since 2004. But it's interesting when you look at the way this game played out versus other games, say against a Boise State. Uh, against East Carolina, where BYU was significantly overmatched and and really just looked kind of lost. That was not the case tonight. BYU total yards, 336 to 310. Passing yards, 214 to 174. Now, they did fall short in terms of comparing to Fresno State. It was 136 in favor of the Bulldogs, 122 in favor of BYU. This was not a team, speaking of BYU, uh, that was overmatched tonight, as we had seen in previous games. And I know that most people did not expect, or not, let, me, let me correct myself. The people, there are certain people in Vegas that had BYU as a double-digit underdog. So there were people that didn't think BYU should win this game. This was a game BYU could have gone in and won. Now, it did not play out that way. But this is a team that showed fight tonight. Uh, something that maybe we did not see against East Carolina. And again, a loss is a loss, and they all, you either win the game or you lose the game. Uh, But this just has a different feeling for me after the loss compared to some of the other ones earlier in the season. Let's update you on top 25 action, and believe it or not, 15 minutes after midnight, at least in the mountain time zone, there is still one game going on, and it just got interesting. 8-18 to go in the fourth quarter. Number 17, USC, which had led Arizona all night long. It is now tied 35-35 with, again, just over eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. We'll uh, try and give you an update on this uh, throughout the uh, the postgame show. Everything else in the top 25 is a final. Number one, Georgia defeating South Carolina. Carolina 24 to 10 number 19 LSU at number two Alabama Crimson Tide win that one by 14 24 to 10 number three Notre Dame high scoring affair in South Bend they beat Wake Forest 48 to 37 it was Clemson over NC State 38 to 31 number five Oklahoma gets the win over the rival a number 11 Oklahoma State 62 to 52 number six Ohio State at Iowa Hawkeyes getting the upset, defeating Urban Meyer and the Buckeyes 55 to 24. 
Fun game in East Lansing. It came down to a last-second field goal, and number 24, Michigan State, upsets number 7, Penn State, 27-24. to Nittany Lions now two losses in a row. Eighth-ranked TCU Horn Frogs defeating Texas 24-7. Number 9, Wisconsin staying undefeated, 9-0 and on the season. They win at Indiana, 45-17. to Number 10, Miami winning at home over number 13, Virginia Tech, by 18, 28-10, your final score there. Number 12, Washington, all over the Oregon Ducks in Seattle, 38-3. Number 14, Auburn winning on the road at Texas A&M, 42-27. West Virginia upsets number 15, Iowa State, by four at final 20-16. UMass losing on the road at number 16, Mississippi State. Bulldogs winning 34-23. Central Florida, 18th ranked in the country, wins at SMU, 31-24. Final in Pullman. Washington State, 25th in the country, defeating a number 21 Stanford, 24-21. to And your last final in the top 25 from Friday, 23, 23rd-ranked Memphis, defeating Tulsa, 41-14. Postum has been the perfect family drink for more than 120 years. There's a reason Postum creates warm memories. Learn more at Postum.com. Coming up, we'll update you on more scores in college football. And depending on uh, timing, we may also hear from the head coach of the BYU Cougars, Kalani Satake. Cougar Postum postgame live continues next. Your final 20-13 Fresno State over BYU. And you heard it on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Final score, 20-13, to 13, Fresno State over BYU. Let's head back to Bulldog Stadium. Squally Canada addressing the media after the game. Taffer's going to haunt you guys. What, what's the problem there, do you think, in the red zone? Uh, we just got to stop kicking ourselves in the foot, you know. We just got to stop stepping on our own toes. We got to take minimize the mistakes, stay on side, don't, don't jump off sides or false start, um, and just execute. When Coach, when Coach Demmer calls a play, we've got to execute. No matter what the play is called, no matter if anybody disagrees, it's upon us to execute. So we just got to do better of execution. You guys, when Tanner went out and Bo came in, did you still kind of feel like you guys could do this? Yeah. You had confidence in yeah. Players? Yeah, we, we got confidence in anybody that gets back there. As a team, as a unit, we, we pump each other up. Next, if somebody goes down, next man up, that's just the mindset you got to have. And... As you see the season, you know, people have been going down. And there's just got to be next man up. Well, you had some nice runs tonight. Start right, be patient, wait, find the hole back left. Is that something that you had picked up on film, or was that just reaction tonight? Um, that's something I just I, – I, I always had it in me. i just been too excited to get to the hole to try to hurry up and make a play. So I watched film on these guys. I practiced my patience all week in practice. And I just did what I would did what I would do in practice. So I just went out there with the mindset, play how you practice, and that's exactly what I did. What was it like for you to play fairly close to home? Oh yeah, no, this ain't nowhere near. <laughs> I'm three. I'm three more hours up north. So, I mean, I, I wish we would have played San Jose State at home. But it feels good to be back in California, breathe that Cali air, and uh, see my family, my mom, my dad, my little cousins, and uh, some of my hometown friends. So it's good to see my friends and family. All right, that was uh, Squally Canada after BYU's 20-13 loss 
at Bulldog Stadium. Squally, nice evening. 12 carries, 84 yards, and a uh, and a touchdown. Uh, nice to see Squally uh, getting back on track in this one, and they needed him. Um, he, he played really, really well, so... Um, Congratulations to him. I know that uh, the Cougars uh, would have liked to have gotten this one, uh, but it didn't go their way. Other scores uh, locally in the state of Utah. Utah State on the road at New Mexico, and the Aggies get the victory by 14. They win 24-10 to over the Lobos. And in the big sky, Southern Utah was at home in Cedar City hosting North Dakota. Final in favor of the T-Birds, 47-21. to Also, Weber State on the road at Eastern Washington and the Wildcats winning by 8. The final score there, 28-20. to Postum has been the perfect family drink for more than 120 years. There's a reason Postum creates warm memories. Learn more at postum.com. Sione Taki Taki, after tonight's game, is addressing the media. Let's quickly listen in. Good at um, their scheme blocking with their run, with uh, angle schemes, you know, angle draws and all that, um, and uh, zone reads and things like that. But they really did a good job at that. But, um, yeah, you know, I tip my hat to Fresno State. They came prepared to play ball, and, and um, yeah, I tip my hat to them. Several times tonight I saw you crash really hard. You acted like you were going outside, came inside hard, got some tackles for loss. Is that something that uh, was scheme, or was that you just making plays? Yeah, that's just, um, you know, the way our defense is. Um, we're kind of out there playing freely. We can go outside, hit them straight on, or, or um, go inside, just like you said. But, um, yeah, it's just just the way our, our defense works, and, um there's a couple times where I could execute it, and, and um, I did. So, but but uh, with work of all the other guys doing their job, you know, we've got those two tackles, you know, taking up all those buckets all game, it's kind of rough on them. But, but yeah. What message did coaches have for you in the locker room? Um, you know, just stay positive, get back to work, you know. And everyone kind of has that mindset, you know, even though the, the season's going rough, um, we're going to back, we're gonna, we're gonna get back on Monday and get back to work, you know. It's not the end of the lo- the world, and uh, you know we're blessed to play this game. We're blessed to be at this uh, beautiful institution at BYU. Um, we're blessed with family members, so you know football is not you know all life. You know, so we're blessed to play this game. The team was so successful last year in creating turnovers, and he wasn't able to get any tonight. What do you think that is? Um, just you know execution. You know, we need to, you know, work harder at the little details, myself included. You know, there's a lot of times where I could have got, you know, a sack or, or a t- another TFL or things like that. But, but yeah, you know, just going back like what you said, uh, just execution and um, listening to our coaches every, every week and um, doing the little things that matter, film, um, extra, you know, lifting, things like that. So, you know, it falls back on us. All right, thanks. All right, that was BYU defensive lineman Sione Taki-Taki after tonight's 20-13 to loss on the road at Fresno State. We'll have more of Cougar Post and Post Game Live coming up after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to Cougar Post and Post Game Live. My name is Jason Shepard. Final tonight, BYU falls on the road at Fresno State. 20-13 to 13 is the final score. BYU with a short week to get ready for next week's game. They will take on UNLV in Las Vegas at Sam Boyd Stadium. That is a game that you will hear, obviously, right here on the new skin BYU Sports Network. 
Kickoff is expected to be at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Time, uh, 10.30 p.m. Eastern. That means that uh, pregame coverage, the Cougar Countdown Show, will get underway at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 p.m. Mountain, as we get you ready for BYU and UNLV. Other action today uh, from other BYU teams on campus, BYU Women's Soccer, wrapping up the season. They were on the road at Santa Clara and... And the Broncos defeating the Cougars today 4-3. to three. Michaela Coulihan with a goal. And Maddie Lyons-Matthews, the senior playing in her final game, scored two goals in the loss. Things a little bit better for number 10 BYU Women's Volleyball. They were at home at the Smith Fieldhouse looking for two wins in a row, hosting St. Mary's. And BYU wins this one 3-1 to one behind 24 kills from Ronnie Jones-Perry. BYU took set one 25-15, 25-18 in set number two. The Gales came back and won set three, 25 to 23, but the Cougars taking care of business in set four, 25-18, and again, they win three to one. They'll be on the road taking on a couple of teams from the Pacific Northwest coming up this week. That's going to do it for Cougar Postum Post Game Live. Your final score tonight from Bulldog Stadium in Fresno, California. Fresno State defeating the BYU Cougars 20-13. to The Cougar Locker Room Show is coming up next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Back to post-game coverage of BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Our coverage continues with the Cougar Locker Room Show. He's going to go! Touchdown! Let's head live to the Bryant Heating and Cooling Broadcast booth and join Mark Lyons along with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so Kalani Satake is yet to address the assembled media as I understand it. Let's check in with Nate Mickle. Nate, has Kalani talked to the media group yet? Yeah, a little bit of a different schedule tonight, but no, Kalani has not addressed the, the print media as well, so he'll be out here shortly and, and we'll uh, tune into that. When you say the print media, you're in there, so let's just say the media. Yeah, we'll say the media you're too, exactly. So yeah. let's do this. Uh, since we haven't heard from Kalani in that group setting. As soon as he's available, let's just join you down there for that. Does that sound okay? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we'll hear from Kalani talking to the assembled media, Nate Mickle included. Nate always asks great questions. And if we get a Cougar player or two on a headset, so be it. That'll be great. Uh, we'll hear from Jeff Tedford, ideally, once ta- intern Tanner uh, makes it up from the Bulldog locker room area. So in this first segment, we'll recap a couple of things and then uh, get ready for Kalani's postgame comments as BYU falls to Fresno State by a score of 20-13. to 13. BYU with three regular season's games left knows it is not playing in the postseason and will finish with a losing record for the first time in 13 years. And again, this is a different feeling. Hasn't happened like this for a long, long time at BYU. But it will happen this year. But uh, look no further than Fresno State, Mark, to see how uh, one really yeah. down year can uh, can rebound with good things just the next season. Fresno State won an 11 last year, bowling this year. They got a lot of new kids in. They had the, some freshmen that really made a difference for them at running back. But a lot of holdovers. The guys who lost 52-10 were Keyshawn Johnson oh, yeah. and Damari Scott. And a lot of and these those guys offensive linemen, all yeah. those linemen. And that quarterback was in a transfer. But uh, the fact that they had some key guys come in that really helped them make a difference to match great. with what uh, they had. And I also am very impressed with the defensive front that they, uh, you know, I, I've said it quite a bit, but uh, their defensive front has done a terrific job in so in doing that, uh, you see what you mentioned in the pregame, that you bring a new coach in with a new attitude and a new approach. You talk about uh, taking care of all the small things, and you get more effort out of everybody. It made a difference with a lot of the people that he had. Leading tackler for BYU defensively tonight uh, in this 20-13 to setback, 
didn't give you defensive numbers, was Sione Takitaki with 11. Butch Pau also 11. Sione led BYU in solo stops with eight. He had one and a half tackles for loss. Fred Warner, one and a half tackles for loss. A pass breakup for Sione. So BYU's big-time players played a big-time game defensively. Takitaki 11, Pau 11, Warner 8, including a tackle for, uh, one and a half tackles for loss. And you want those guys leading you. Uh, not a lot of possessions tonight. Uh, yeah. BYU ended up with, uh, with, with nine drives, a Fresno State uh, nine drives, and and this game kind of clipped along. It ends with BYU falling 20-13. to 13. Kalani Satake talking to the media outside the BYU locker room now. And, um, you know, a lot of different... We're uh, uh, just not playing good football right now, and that's my fault. So, uh, really, really disappointed in it. And, yeah, I don't, there's not really much to say about it other than that we scored 13 points and couldn't stop them on on crucial downs, especially when we're trying to get the ball back still. And you know, just uh, congratulations to Fresno. They they did everything they wanted, and they wanted it more. You know, this was to put them in bowl eligibility, and it just wasn't good. wasn't good for us. And our players uh, played hard, and I thought I was really proud of how they played. It just um, didn't go our way, and we we left some big opportunities out there and some big plays. And so, um, but yeah, I thought the Look at it with the film and everything, but really disappointed. And I'm getting, it's really getting sick of saying that all the time. Have an update on on Tanner's condition? Um, you know, I don't know the specifics of it, but it doesn't look good. So I, um, I'll, I'll get more information from our trainers, but I don't want to speak before I know exactly what the issues are. But it didn't look good on the field, and uh, it doesn't look good right now. So. Uh, yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> I feel bad for him, but was at the. I don't know the specifics of it, other than it was pretty bad. Coach, in tonight's game, the offense uh, outgained Fresno State, but still wasn't able to put up the number of points you'd like. Why do you think the team struggled to punch it in? I was just putting points on the board and and stringing stringing drives together, you know, and um, it seemed like we had some really um, some bad things happen all at, all at the wrong times, you know, whether it's drop passes or uh, missed time throws or I mean there's just so many issues in there you know that that uh, needs fixing and that's on the whole team so it's not just uh, I thought we could have done more things on defense to, to stop the run and create more disruption I thought uh, Marcus McCrarian was really I don't know what his numbers were exactly but we didn't really do anything to make him throw any really bad ones you know they they had some deep shots and he was really careful with the ball and I just didn't didn't think we should, we should have had more. I, I thought we should have had more opportunities, getting big plays on defense and possibly creating some turnovers. What can you do to get the receivers to make plays and hang on to the ball, which seemed to be a problem tonight? Yeah, I, I'm. I don't know. I just I thought we've addressed it pretty well. I mean, as much as we could. I thought from what Fresno did, I think they locked us up and played a lot of man, you know. And that's the time where receivers need to step up and. Um, you make a guy miss, and you might be able to score a big play. So uh, receivers should be hoping for man coverage and social social quarterbacks. And I thought we did some good things. We just got to make make some more plays. And and uh, but the players are working hard. That's on us coaches, you know. That's I always go back to us. We got to make it work and get the right guys on the field to make to make sure we can get some positive stuff going. I mean, we we there are some good things. We outgained them, but all that matters is the points, you know. I think we had one more turnover than them. We could. On that fumble, but uh, pretty evenly matched, and uh, uh, but you know, thought we could have done some things better to get, put us in a position to win. How would you assess the defensive performance overall? It wasn't good enough. I mean, I'm, I, mean, I, 
I've expressed our, I, th- I thought, you know, from last week being aggressive and, and really trying to get, create some big plays to, you know, I, I just didn't think that we did the same kind of mindset. I thought we did in practices, didn't work out that way in the game. And you have to give a lot of credit to Fresno State. I thought they, they um, played the right game. You know, they, they limited a lot of reps and, and they took their time. And it looked like they were in four-minute offense for most of the for most of the time. But um, I just, yeah, I just have to look at it again and just we got to get better. This is this is not BYU football. A couple times tonight in the red zone, uh, the offense brought in Kafensis and the Wildcat, and both times led to penalties. Uh, he's had some success uh, at times, but those penalties really seem to hurt you there in the blue zone. Yeah, I mean penalties. We had we had um, we had some substitution issues, um, even on special teams and on 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 offense, and that's just crap. So we're we're way late in the season. That stuff should not be happening, and that's on the coaches. Um, I don't know exactly. I thought he ran the ball really well. It was nice to have him back, especially not having um, KJ to go today. You know, so. Uh, I thought he stepped in, did well. He's he's uh looked like he's back to his normal normal self now, and um, yeah, just just uh, not good enough though. I mean, I thought he ran the ball hard. I thought we could have done some good things up front and, and we could run the ball. Just we couldn't punch it in. We couldn't get third downs uh, conversions at the right time, and um, we weren't efficient with the with the ball. I, I think when Bo came in, he didn't. I mean, there's way too many incompletions on all that, and that's. You know, it's hard. It's hard to keep drives going when you have a lot of incompletions and not efficient as a throw, as a as a throwing, as a as a quarterback throwing the ball. Anything else? <clears throat> All right, guys. Safe travels. Thank you. All right, that's the Kalani's talk outside the BYU locker room. Cougars fall to Fresno State, twenty to thirteen. The locker room show continues after this on the new skin BYU Sports Network. All right, so back here at Bulldog Stadium, Fresno State 20 and BYU 13, our final score. Corbin Kafusi has the headset on outside the Cougar locker room area. I mentioned uh, BYU's leading tacklers on the night, and Corbin was not too far from behind. He was the fourth leading tackler, six tackles and four solo stops. Corbin is with us just for a minute. Corbin, thanks for joining us for a quick second. Um, you know, Fresno State, legit team. They won their sixth game. They're bowl eligible. Really good defense uh, coming in. Offensively, I thought you guys were their match tonight. Uh, they scored only 20. Um, how would you assess uh, the attack you faced tonight, and did you guys execute most of what you wanted to from a defensive game plan standpoint? Yeah, I think one of the big things that we saw that we knew that they were going to do is they're going to try and run the ball and then take their shots when they could. And I think one of the things we struggled with was just stopping those initial runs, you know, instead of getting a second and five. If we could have kept them to more of second and eights, that would have been great. And uh, what did you think of their offensive line? Four of those guys are returning starters, and I thought uh, both lines on uh, Fresno State's were pretty solid. But uh, what was your opinion of those guys? Um, I think they did a good job, and they were, you know, you got to give them credit for their ability to execute what they had in their game plan. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the first quarter, they ran the football pretty effectively, and uh, the first couple plays pushed and pushed. Uh, is that Was that a surprise to you at all, at how they were able to get off and into you guys and move you back? You know, I think we, we knew that they'd come out and try to run. I think mm-hmm. we just, I guess, we're not prepared mentally for that, and so that's definitely on us. 
Corbin, so many of the quarterbacks you've been seeing lately, especially the mobile ones, have had run-pass option RPOs be a big part of the game plan. That really wasn't really in the mix tonight. Did that uh, help or change in, uh, the, the way you approached uh, uh, Fresno State tonight compared to previous opponents? Uh, I guess it changed our preparation, of course, throughout the week. But as for the things we do, we keep those pretty consistent. So because they didn't have as many run-play action plays or play options, then you know we just play our technique. Okay, the chance to win out and maybe sell, maybe put yourselves in the postseason mix in late November has gone by the wayside now. We know that's not a possibility. How do you guys keep heads up and find motivation here in the final three games, Corp? I think the biggest thing is that, you know, you got to play for pride, you know, for your identity. You know, this, this isn't the way BYU football usually is, and so we have to find ourselves. We have to find out who we are so that we can prepare for the next season, but more importantly, so we can finish in a way that allows us to remember ourselves. Corbin, thanks for taking a minute uh, or two with us uh, tonight after a tough setback, uh, safe travels, and uh, good luck the rest of the way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Corbin. Corbin Kofusi with us. Cougar Locker Room Show continues from Fresno. Bulldogs 20, BYU 13, our final score here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Fresno State gets bowl eligible, and BYU Mark gets bowl ineligible. <laughs> yep, that would be right. And, uh, uh, you know, it, the, it was a long shot anyway, but uh, even so, it was uh, still something uh, that you get another reward besides just going out and uh, playing for your pride. And so right now, you, you play the game because you like football. You, you like football, and you're a competitor, and so that's the reason that you're going to go out. It's on the schedule. It's a team you wanted to go out and beat and and there's no way that anyone can tell me that you throw it in and oh we'll just go lose these next games because uh, we don't care anymore that's not how it works you've got to have that inner pride and you've got to be able to enjoy the football game enough to go out and compete in the era of uh, six wins get you to the postseason this is the first time ever so really we can say the first time in BYU football history that they'll play their final three games in the modern bowl era knowing that they're not going to a bowl game in 2002 and they didn't go bowling with three games to go, uh, they were four and five, so a chance to get to six and, and, uh, and go postseason. Didn't happen. In 2003, with three games remaining, BYU was four and five. Chance to get to six. Didn't happen, but they had a chance with three games left. 2004, three games left. BYU was four and four. Had a chance to get to six. Didn't happen. So never before in the modern bowl era has BYU played its final three games with no postseason hope until this year. We'll come back to wrap up the locker room show next here on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Here at Bulldog Stadium tonight in front of 29,370, Fresno State got to six wins and secures postseason eligibility by defeating BYU by a score of 20-13. to 13. BYU at 2-8 and eight can only win five this year, and at 5-8 and eight they will not be eligible for the postseason for the first time since 2004. The head coach of the Cougars, Kalani Satake, is coming up next. This has been the Cougar Locker Room Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Postgame coverage of BYU football continues with the Cougar Postgame Coaches Show. He walks in for six. Touchdown, Cougars. Now let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Back at Bulldog Stadium in Fresno, California, the head coach of the Cougars, Kalani Satake, is coming up, but apparently is not available at this moment. Let's hear from the head coach of the Fresno State Bulldogs, 
Jeff Tedford. Coach Tedford spoke with the media a short time ago. We'll start with Coach Tedford's comments, and when Kalani is available, we'll break out of those and hear from BYU's head coach, maybe finish off with Coach Tedford, depending on the timing. Let's hear right now from the coach of the Bulldogs, thanks to intern Tanner, Tanner Wilkinson, who got these comments a short time ago. Hard-fought game. Um, BYU's a very good football team. Uh, I've said all week that um, they're much better than their record indicates. They've played four top 25 teams throughout the year. Very well coached, very physical, and, uh, you know, take a lot of pride in their program. And uh, so uh, it was nice to, to be able to finish something off in the fourth quarter against a really good football team and come away with a win. No, I don't ever want to see that experience again from last week. Um, but did it teach lessons? Yes, it taught lessons of uh, you know how things can happen if if uh, details go sideways a little bit. You know, so um, thankfully we didn't turn the football over tonight and came up with a, a critical turnover ourselves at the end of the game to kind of secure the game there. All right, that's Jeff Tedford opening comments from the Fresno State locker room. Now down to the BYU locker room. Coach Kalani Satake on the headset with us now. And, uh, and Coach, we heard your comments to the media group a short time ago. It doesn't make it any easier to have to recap it with us, I understand. And uh, you sounded particularly disappointed that certain mistakes were happening at this stage of the year when you'd really not like to see them, and they were pretty key when they occurred. Is that, is that a fair thing to say tonight? Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, I ought to, I ought to look at uh, – at the whole thing again and I'm just speaking from um, walking off of the field and, yeah you know what what comes to mind on, on some of the stuff and so I think the the easy thing to do is just name all the mistakes and and uh, whatever comes to mind the fastest is what I go kind of go with but <laughs> there's enough blame to go around and um, it all falls on me as a head coach and I've said that over and over again and this is uh, I gotta get this I gotta get, get, get this fixed and it's um you know just the 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 inefficiency and the offense not able to get points on the board. It's all that matters right now. We're not able to do that. And, and the inability to make big plays on defense and create turnovers or big plays, TFLs, sacks, I mean, that stuff's missing. So, Fresno State's just given it away uh, twice in the last five games. They're not a, a big turnover team, and they, they, they didn't give it away tonight. Yeah, yards don't matter, points do, uh, but BYU outgains Fresno, more first downs than Fresno, more plays than Fresno. A lot of good things happen, and I think if you throw those things together, Kalani, and say you're going to hold them to 20, you think you'd have a really good shot to win this game tonight. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would think so. I mean, it's hard to win games when only scoring 13 points. Um, so, you know, we, we need to get the ball in the end zone and, and score touchdowns. And, and that's uh, and a lot of credit goes to Fresno State. I thought they did. They were really smart with the ball. You know, the, um, uh, McMarion actually threw the ball really well, you know, and, and was efficient and, and um, he was accurate and didn't take a lot of chances unless there were deep shots that, that was pretty much open, you know. But uh, the running backs and the receivers possessed the ball really well. They had good ball security and. Um, you know, we, we had one uh, one lapse wherever the ball came out, but we also had uh, another ball come out when 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 uh, I think Squally was trying to reach out. We were lucked out that that his, he was down, but um, 
you know, we need to be just as efficient they, as they are and careful with the football like they do. And that was the difference in the football game. You know? Well, and you mentioned that uh, you don't like giving up the big play. I mean, you want to make the big play on defense. Well, the same thing, uh, you would like to have that big play possibility on offense. And that there were a couple that were awful close tonight. But uh, if you end up getting a couple of those completions that were going to be big game changers, uh, boy, it was this, that close. Yeah, and, and th- there were some unfortunate drops, you know, that that, um, that cost us uh, drives and cost us um, what could have ended up being points. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it just uh, it, it was a combination of mistakes, and then that, that's the difference in the football game, you know. And so especially one where it's uh, pretty balanced, and, and I thought we, mm-hmm. you said it, we, we outgained and we did everything better, but... One thing we didn't do better was to be more f- efficient as in, th- in throwing the ball. We we weren't able to to complete enough. You know they they went 14 for 20, I believe, and we were 23 for 43. And you're not gonna you're not gonna win a lot of games throwing around 50 percent completion per, um, ratio, whether or completion percentage, whether that's um, the receivers dropping the ball or the re- the quarterback not able to get the ball to them. I mean, all that matters. Before the break, a key sequence came. You're first and goal at the 9, down 10 zip. And it's a substitution infraction, break in the huddle with 12. And you end up having to kick a field goal from the 10. So you went backwards when you were first and goal from the 9 at a really key phase of the game. I think that's the kind of thing you're talking about when you say you, know, you just can't have it there, right? Yeah, and that's that's um, that's self-inflicted wounds. I mean, come on. You know, this is the 10th game of the year, and we're making the substitution mistakes and... and that's, that has nothing to do with talent or players on the field. It has everything to do with uh, us as coaches and me as a head coach. So that's, that's that's not the way it's supposed to be. You know, we had um, horrible turn, horrible penalties at the wrong times. I mean, third and two, and then we get a a false start penalty, and it's just it's just the stuff that that is, um, you know, those are administrative penalties that we can do without those. I mean. The PIs and stuff like that that within the game and holding, that happens. But the stuff that you just give away, the freebies, we're, we're giving away, you know, we're missing layups here. Closing comments from Kalani coming up after this. Thank you, Coach. We'll take a break. We'll come back and hear uh, Kalani just for a minute or two before we let them get uh, back on the road as Fresno State wins it by a score of 20-13 to 13 tonight here at Bulldog Stadium. Almost 30,000 fans on hand uh, for this renewal of what used to be a whack rivalry back in the day. Fun game played tonight, uh, entertaining and competitive, tight till the end. Uh, BYU's lone turnover was a key one late as the Bulldogs are able to uh, run it out and win it by a score of 20-13. to 13. More from Kalani after this on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Fresno State 20, BYU 13, our final score. Matt Bushman targeted 10 times, comes up with nine catches for 97 yards. His best game as a Cougar. He does give the ball up late, but uh, it's a hard hit he takes. A helmet to ball hit that pops the ball in the air. Fresno does recover. Uh, Squally Canada, a bright spot. 12 carries, 84 yards, and a score. So uh, Kalani, between uh, Bushman and Squally, you had two guys that you could lean on tonight, and they did good things for you. Yeah, and, um, you know, just just it was good to get Squally back, and um, especially with the loss of KJ to you know today, and, and um, I was really proud of some of the things that he did. Obviously, not happy with with the, the ball coming out, even though uh, he was bailed out of it, saying that you know when they reviewed it and called him down. But 
Um, just needs to be more careful with the football, but I thought he ran hard and, and he lowered his shoulders when he needed to and was really proud with his progress and, and, and with the, the things that he's doing up front. And he's starting to come along right now. The, the, the injury situation has never eased up for you, uh, Kalani, at any point this year. Tanner hurts both ankles or both feet, lower extremities, however you want to say. We don't know the judgment on the second injury. But he came back in, I thought toughed it out after going out in the first half, and then he goes out in the second, and it's just another game, another key guy having to leave for you, and it just hasn't, hasn't eased up. No, I mean, and, um, you know, just he got, got tweaked up a little bit earlier, and, and um, you know, so... It, it just didn't look good, and, and I got confirmation on his injury. He's done for the year. Oh, so what is it? That's an Achilles injury. So that's... Uh, it's the opposite ankle, right? Not the sprained ankle, the other one? Yeah, so uh, wow. it's not looking good, and, and, you know, our prayers are with him, and he'll need our support, but, you know, we, we need to get Bo ready to go, who's uh, not fully 100% yet, but, you know, with Joe and Bo being one of those guys going to have to re- uh, be able to get us going and score some points, and We'll just rally and try to keep uh, Tanner positive, you know, but that's uh, that's I just barely got that conf- confirmed from our mm. trainers. Yeah, that's well, it's just another uh, tough injury and it's another serious one. Those are a long time recovery, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, hard to talk about any more injuries, I guess, when you've had so many. Um, well, it's a violent game, I mean, yeah. it, it's a physical game and. Um, you know, sometimes uh, things happen, and, and uh, there's a lot of different factors that go into it. But there's so, such a variety of injuries that happened, and um, you know, I, I, I think that because he hurt the other ankle, there's, he's, he's probably putting a lot of, um, mm-hmm. you know, probably Extra compensating, weight. yeah, a little bit. And I just, I mean, it's just, yeah. it, it's pretty common that someone, someone gets hurt, they end up doing it again to something else, and. Um, that's why we decided to keep KJ out. Um, just didn't make sense for him to come back, and especially when we had Squally healthy to go, you know. So there, there's that's just part of football, and it's a little bit more this this year than we've had and that I've ever seen, you know. Yeah. But uh, that's just part of the this, the deal. We gotta we gotta fight back and and build off of this. I mean, this is this is not the season that we all anticipated, and, but now that we're here, we have to figure out a way to make it better and, and um, build build our Build our, you know, build off of what we have, and, and try to make it better for next season. Coach, I know you know I'm irrelevant, and so uh, I'm going to give you one. Uh, Saturday night on the road, when you start at you know eight o'clock at night, and you're on the road. Uh, I know it's it's everybody has that situation, and I know it's uh, not unique for you to do this today. And it wasn't the reason that uh, it turned out the way it was. It did, but. Can you tell me about some of the challenges you have when you're on the road and uh, you've got that late night start? Um, I mean, I, I think we're kind of used to it now. That, that so many guys, um, so many teams play at different times. You just have to just plan it, you know, as much as you can. And there's things that we do in the evening games, that, there's things that we do when we have a daytime game. And, um, you know, it's just a matter of when you know to organize your time. But I don't, I don't think it's, it's, it's that big of a deal. I mean, I... But I'm the, I'm the guy that said that we had to deal with injuries, you know. So I, I don't. I'm not looking for. Oh no. Any any. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a factor in all of it, but the main one is me as head coach, and that's what I'm trying to get things fixed. Kalani, last thing for you, I guess. Uh, you're going to restate, uh, I guess, the final part of the season for your guys now, going forward with three games to play. How do you view the rest of November, and and what what kind of response do you want and need to see from your guys uh, finishing it out here? We just have to get better, and that's uh, talk to the team about that. And 
Um, you know, it's it's definite we're not going to a bowl game, but now it's a, it's a reflection of what we want to do and how how these seniors want to go out. And so, uh, between that and we have these last few games to really find ourselves as a team and 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 definitely find ourselves uh, in each phase of the ball. So that's. That's what we're looking forward to, and, and, and um, you know, thankful that we have some more opportunities to play as a group. But um, there's two choices: you either quit or keep fighting. And we have a guy, a lot of guys on this team that want to keep fighting, and, and well, that's what we're going to do. And as coaches, we got we got to make that make it work and find a way to get more wins. Well, we feel bad uh, for Tanner Mangum on this night, particularly, and, and for the guys um, who. I still have to regroup here and get it done, hopefully the right way for, for you and the coaches and each other, and that's what we hope to see. Kalani, thank you for the time, and we'll see you back in town. Thank you, guys. Appreciate right, it. That's uh, Kalani Satake, head coach of the BYU Cougars. Cougar Nation now is coming up. We'll set that up after this on the new skin BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to BYU Creamery Cougar Nation now. BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Be a part of the show by emailing your questions to CougarNationNow at BYU.edu or tweet your questions at Greg Rubel using the hashtag BYUCNN. Now, let's head live to the Bryant Heating and Cooling Broadcast booth and join Mark Lyons along with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, to back at to Fresno State and uh, to to restate something I wrote in the, in the pregame show, uh, it's been injury added to insult this year. <laughs> as the insult is, you're missing a bowl game and you lo- have a losing record, and the injury is you now lost your starting quarterback for the rest of the year after having after having already missed Tanner Mangum for a number of games earlier in the year. It has been the most star-crossed of seasons for BYU football. The phrase "perfect storm" gets used with uh, good reason. Because the schedule, the inexperience, and the injuries all combine to give BYU a season like none other. In fact, we've never had to say, going into the final three games of any season, that we know BYU won't play in the postseason and will finish with a losing record. We know that now. And that's, uh, again, it's, it's a, it's a once-in-a-generation type of season for BYU. And, and what happens late, and in fact, just moments ago, with Kalani confirming for us for the first time that Tanner's done for the year, is just the latest uh, gut punch for this BYU team this year. Boy, and you know, it's an Achilles tendon, and uh, they, they are tough to come back from. Uh, some people don't, but uh, Tanner's, uh, you know, he was in a lot of pain. That was the, it was hard to watch to see, and, and uh, so it's a real challenge for BYU to be able to put another group out there that uh, has the ability to move the football. And uh, it it is a challenge, you know. It's really tough, and you're getting to the point now where you have to accept that uh, the number of injuries. Even though uh, I've always said, you know, that's your team, that's your group. You got these number of people to use. You make them players. And uh, at this point, uh, you're losing so many important people, so many that you're moving people from different positions into fill in for people that are hurt. And losing those guys. Uh, yeah, Matt Hadley and, is an example. He's a and, safety. He fills in for a linebacker who's gone, and then he's gone. And Grant Jones. Grant Jones yeah. was taken, you know, off. Wide receiver, yeah. safety, yeah. linebacker, he's gone. Man, he's yeah. hurt. And so, man, it's just uh, difficult to be able to, 
put enough guys out there that you feel are competent to be able to play at this stage of where they are at uh, BYU. This is BYU Creamery Cougar Nation now. Uh, hashtag BYUCNN on the Twitter if you want to uh, join us. Uh, give us some discussion points this evening. You're welcome to. Hashtag BYUCNN. You can email us, CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. So you can email us with that or tweet at us. This is BYU Creamery Cougar Nation Now. And it's brought to you by BYU Dining and BYU Creamery. The classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. We'll give you two half gallons of famous creamery Ooh. ice cream later in this hour. It's, it's dark. It's late. It's kind of cold. It's always time for ice cream. Let's <laughs> pause 10 seconds for station identification on the new skin BYU Sports Network. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. You're listening to Cougar Sports on BYU Radio. We'll come back from the break and uh, take emails and tweets for us. Greg and Mark upstairs, Nate Mickle soon to join us. Hashtag BYUCNN on Twitter and Cougar Nation now at BYU.edu on the email. We'll return from the break, hear another comment or two from Jeff Tedford about the Cougars, and then take your comments next. BYU falls to Fresno State by a score of 20-13 to 13 on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Fresno State 20 and BYU 13, our final score. Cougars fall to 2-8. and eight. Fresno State to 6-3, and three, and they'll be playing in the postseason. BYU miss out on a bowl game for the first time since 2004. I know you tire of me saying it, but yeah. uh, it is a fact. And it's weird. Uh, uh, earlier today, I was in Santa Clara calling a BYU women's soccer game, and the Cougars lost to Santa Clara by a score of 4-3, to three, and that dropped women's soccer to a losing record, and they'll miss the postseason for the first time since... Same year. Same year, 2004. Sheesh. It's a weird, but since no then, good. Thir- 13 years and uh, postseason and winning records every year for Cougar football and soccer. Well, BYU did go 6-6 six and six back in 2005 football-wise, but uh, long postseason runs come to an end. All right, uh, Jeff Tedford, the head coach of the Bulldogs, spoke a short time ago. And this is uh, about Squally Canada and the BYU O-line. I just wanted to hear this because he talks about BYU and, and the play of Squally and, and the Cougar O-line. So let's uh, just cue up a little more of Jeff Tedford, then we'll get back to emails and uh, tweets here on BYU Creamery, Cougar Nation now. Well, they had big holes. Um, their offensive line is a really good offensive line, and um, they were spreading this out, and then they were creating gaps in there. And so um, he had a lot of space to run, for sure. But you have to give them a lot of credit. They're very physical up front, and they did a nice job of blocking us. Uh, they, you know, they were, they were ripping off some pretty good chunks, and uh, that typically doesn't happen uh, to us, but Again, you have to give BYU credit. They did a really nice job of executing. Uh, that their quarterback played really, really well, real efficient. Uh, they just kept moving the moving the sticks on us, you know. And so, um, but he played well. The back played well, but I, I think their offensive line played excellent because not only did did they block for him to create some holes, but they gave the quarterback a lot of time to throw. All right, uh, Jeff Tedford, the head coach of the Fresno State Bulldogs. Uh, thanks again to intern Tanner. Tanner Wilkinson for getting those comments from Coach Tedford postgame. Mark, your reaction? Isn't it interesting that uh, 
the coaches of different teams have different perspectives. So uh, Coach Tedford saying, man, they just gashed us. They just ran the ball like crazy. And BYU saying, man, we just didn't keep any drives alive and keep them going. We didn't do anything offensively. And he's saying their offensive line was really good. I was really worried about it. And it's just kind of interesting how the perspective of which side you're on views how that game went quite differently. Brian on Twitter using the hashtag BYUCNN. Why did a running back averaging seven yards a carry get only 12 carries, referencing Squally Canada? And why did he only get one carry of the last four plays, including a fourth and one? And on that fourth and one, he did not see the ball. Fourth and long one, almost closer to two. And it, I think in, uh, the carry number in part is because they didn't really go to him till later in the game. Yeah. El Bakri seemed like he had the whole first quarter, some defenses as well. So the fact they didn't go to him from play one is one of the reasons but yeah you ideally uh you know you want to see a guy getting that kind of ground uh more carries BYU threw it 43 times and ran it 27 times so that was their goal coming in they knew that the front uh, is very difficult to run against particularly as i said in the first half it they're really st- they're very stout and so BYU thought we're going to use our big back to pound in on those linemen and see if we can uh, make 3 4 you know yards in a carry and then keep the chains moving that was their whole objective was to take the 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 ball control kind of attitude and so when they had to throw the football because they felt like they couldn't run, that's why it got so many numbers on that side. Dave Harris on Twitter, hashtag BYUCNN, says, I agree, Dave does, with Nate's assessment, too much cute, not enough yeah. execution with the yeah. offense. And, and I guess the, and the fourth and one play is maybe an example of that, uh, whether third and twos or fourth and ones. Um, you know, sometimes it calls for some traditional football, and BYU, it seems that when the, with the execution lacking, uh, creativity hasn't always paid off. Yeah, I, I, that was an interesting point that I that Nate made. That uh, they come in with the you know on fourth and one and uh, try to run the wildcat or you know I I like to change a pace, but maybe on fourth and one you just have to get your guys to. I like that the, he also mentioned that the BYU changed their splits. In the second half, BYU widened their splits in the offensive line. And so it really did minimize what uh, Fresno State was able to do up front. Of Squally's 84-yard total, there were zero lost yards in that total tonight. Squally was gaining ground yeah. every time. Email from Drew coming into Cougar Nation and now at BYU.edu. Greg, Mark, and Nate, I often hear opposing coaches, he says, describe our team as physical. What? Does that imply? Since physical, since football is such a physical sport, how is one team more physical than another? He says, I enjoy listening to and learning from you guys. Keep up the good work. Well, thanks for your kind words, Drew. I learned from Mark and Nate. I don't think you learned much from me, but uh, I learned from these guys, and I'm glad you do too. Mark, what do you think about that? I hear, I hear it too, and I think too. I mean, well, football is the most physical of sports. Yeah. So when they say, well, BYU is a physical team, well, Every team is bound to be to some extent. I mean, this is a contact sport. You know, uh, and I always compare it to or try to make the example of, let's just suppose you went into 7-Eleven. And as you walk out, some guy's coming in, and you drop your shoulder and drill him in the chest and knock him <laughs> flat on the ground. You know, that's what's going That's what the game I love to play. <laughs> that's the, uh, that somebody's going to come up and just try and knock your head off. 
Oh, I love that that part of the game. Unfortunately, someone tried to knock uh, Matt Bushman's head off. Not so much his yeah. head, but the ball out of his possession, and they did. And uh, Scott emails in and says it looked like Bushman was favoring his arm after his fumble. Now, wouldn't that yeah. be great if he goes out? He said he saw the team doctor working with Matt on the bench afterward. Any word on his situation? And BYU's very tight-lipped on injuries. The fact that Kalani told us, yeah. uh, exclusively us, afterward that uh, Tanner's out for the year with an Achilles is, is a little bit... Uh, um, uh, out of protocol. They usually don't talk about those kinds of things. So, no, no update on Matt. I didn't know that that was seen on the sideline. Maybe Nate saw something down at field level or locker room area, but it would just be par for the course if another key player uh, gets knocked out. And that was a big hit he took. It wouldn't surprise me if he got hurt because he got rocked. Yeah, I mean, all the guys after the game are always just, you know, they're wrapped up with ice all over their bodies. Uh, I did want to mention something about the Tanner injury. Uh I think Kalani would be okay with me sharing this. He's, uh, you know, the post game's crazy. I mean, he's trying to meet with the players. He's got to try to set the tone for the next week. He's meeting with the coaches. He's analyzing the stats. And he's he's doing interviews, multiple interviews. And uh, during the interview with us, uh, during the intermission, he asked uh, Brett, he said, I don't even know what's happened to Tanner. Could you find out for me? Um, because there's just so much going on after the game. And so it was that moment that Brett went and talked to the trainer and, and wrote him a little note and showed it to Kalani while he was on air with us. And that was the first moment that Kalani had had a chance to really find out what was going on with Tanner. So I, I think in that moment, it's just like, oh, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't believe it. he's done for the year. Yeah. At Chaplin Schumann tweets in, Mark is right, the season's just cursed. Just when Mangum and Kanda were moving the offense, the injury bug struck a death blow. And it really is, I mean, it, it's game one through game ten. There's not been a week where we come out of it saying, well, that was a clean week, or no one got hurt that week. It's been every week an important player going to the sideline, and no one more important than your starting quarterback. And and Tanner Mangum, uh, I thought, uh, you know, these last three games were the games we thought we were seeing him look like we hoped he yeah. could appear uh, this year. And, and, yeah, there were the moments where you go, okay, that's a, that's a misthrow, but um, on the whole, Tanner was looking like Tanner again. And you yeah. could see a confidence mm-hmm. yeah, in his posture. Yeah. I mean, he, he, looked he looked different. He had a different presence, a different posture. The composure mm-hmm. was different. Even even when he got hurt in the first half, he wanted to come back in the second half. He was fired up to get yeah, back in the absolutely. game in the second half. And so I liked what I saw from BYU's leader at quarterback. And so I'm just uh, heartbroken for him. And, and I tweeted this out a, a few moments ago and haven't referenced it on air. But there was a time in, in the mid to late uh, 2000s when John Beck and Max Hall had an uninterrupted five, six years yeah. of quarterback health. John missed literally one game. He turned an ankle really bad, bad enough to where Jason Beck played and beat Utah State in a shutout and one John year. And John probably could have played that game. Yeah, yeah, in the middle of the season, Utah State, you're going to beat him. They beat him, and John didn't play. It was a week off to get healthy, and he right. came back strong. So he misses one game. Max Hall misses zero mm-hmm. games. Now, there was a game Max could, Max could have missed with a really bad yeah, shoulder injury, but Max being Utah. Max, he played through it. Bottom line is, for five or six years, you had no quarterback injuries. And the last five or six years, it's only quarterback injuries every single year. Taysom Hill, multiple years. Tanner at different parts of the year. They've been snake bit. The Riley, the Christian Stewart, the, all the different guys that have had to be rotated in uh, with, with Nelson's deal. It's been quarterback after quarterback getting banged up. And it's been, uh, it's been a rough, long stretch for BYU. And there used to be a time when you could always count on the QB answering the bell. And that means a ton to a team. The reason BYU was so good those years, one of the reasons is quarterback continuity. And BYU simply has not had it. 
You look at Riley, running quarterback, Taysom, yeah. running quarterback. Now, Tanner's not a running quarterback, but I think Kalani hit it on the head. Tanner got hurt with the ankle, and what do you do? Man, you start putting a lot Favorite. of pressure on that other leg, and, and you're you're just prone to get injured. So, Ryan, sorry, Mark. Uh, the question what, was, uh, what is physical? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, we got, well, well, that was two your, questions ago. I thought, it, I thought they you... were, they're big and strong, and they hit each other, and everybody's bruised up after the game, and that's kind of the... The physical part of the game, when Butch Pau tackles you, and it, you really feel it, you know, and those kind of hits happen a lot. That's the physical nature of football. Now, and that was Mark referencing something from 10 minutes ago. Yeah. That's good. You're yeah, going, I got going a, right back to it. Yeah. I got a couple things on that, too. When I think of physical, I don't think of Washington State. Washington yeah. State, you know, they throw and... 50, 60 times a game. They're not a downhill, in-your-face uh, running team. For a lot of years, Oregon had the same rep. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. not a physical team. BYU has a lot of these big Polynesians. Uh, they play smash-mouth football. That's more of a physical team. Now, I will say, when it's third down or fourth down, and you run a you know, fourth and one, and you need to get a yard, and you run a sprint right throw, that's not physical smash-mouth football. And like you mentioned, Greg, at times you're trying to out-scheme the team. At times you run a little tight end screen, and it's wide open, and you pick up a huge chunk play. And at times that's what works. And at other times, you just need to go smash mouth and rely on your guys to pick up the yards. Hashtag that play was there that time, though. Right. I mean, it was there. But it wasn't But it didn't work. And it's a play that, you know, how many times have we seen this year? Uh, I don't know. A few times. So it's interesting that in that moment, when you need a yard... You yeah, go, go to get a, a yard. Unproven play. Now yeah. maybe they say, "Oh, it's a great." Nobody's seen it, so it's going to work. But on the other hand, you say, "Let's just go get a yard. Let's yeah. put it on the O line. Let's go get a yard." BYU Creamery Cougar Nation now hashtag BYU CNN. Ryan Miller echoing the thoughts of many BYU fans tonight. Very good to see Squally run so hard. Just too many drops by wide receivers. Limited a great effort by Tanner. I'm so sad for Tanner. A lot of fans uh, tweeting in just uh, their condolences, their feelings for Tanner Mangum, who tear, uh, I shouldn't say tear, it's an Achilles injury. All Kalani would say is it's a season-ending Achilles injury. Yeah. You know, you can, you, you can infer a tear of the Achilles at that point, but it's an Achilles injury for Tanner Mangum. He's done uh, for the season. Uh, Travis with an email before the break. Great show, he says. Heartbreaks for Tanner. In my opinion, he says, BYU simply limits their opportunities in the game by their slow pace of play offensively. Where's the urgency all game long, and why not play with more pace and tempo and go no huddle in the first half and early part of the game? What is there to lose, he says. And then second question, he adds, in watching games all day, there are so many college football teams that throw deep posts, use intermediate to deep crossing and seam routes, push the ball down the middle of the field. Why does BYU not do this more and stretch the field? Why not throw deep post routes, especially with so much man coverage? BYU goes with so much dink and dunk. That email coming in from Travis Winder with the email address CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. Mark, fire away, then Nate. Well, I'm kind of in agreement, but I wanted to comment on the first half. And uh, what was the Oh, the pace of play. Pace of play. Uh, last week, uh, UNLV beat uh, Fresno State because they, out, uh, they controlled the ball. They, they kept the ball away from Fresno State. They had more opportunities themselves to keep control of the game, less opportunity for Fresno State. Yeah, Fresno State's a better team than UNLV, but UNLV's strategy was we'll keep the ball away from them and uh, get points on our end of it and limit their opportunity. And that was BYU followed that same strategy in the first half. And then uh, at the at the half, I felt as though BYU came out and said, we've got to do a little bit more in order to have an opportunity to win this game. And so um, 
they went a little bit more of the up tempo and uh, i agree that i don't think there was one planned throw to jonah trineman deep every one of them was an accidental throw uh the quarterback was in trouble and here's an outlet and uh heave it downfield and if something bad happens it won't be too uh too difficult to overcome because uh, you, you don't give up field position. I think Jonah Trineman should be running. Yeah, you you take you put motion in your second receiver out there on the same side as Jonah Trineman and pull that safety and man cover. He follows him all the way across the field, and then you run Jonah Trineman in a post pattern away from the safety that's left. They always left a free safety out there, but or you run that post corner. And uh, Jonah Trineman has enough speed that I think you can take a few chances and throw him the football on a play designed for him. So I'll tell you one reason why you don't throw it down the middle of the field, because you, or why you don't throw it deep, because you analyze this game tonight and you say, you know, we were pretty even, uh, we outgained them. What was the big key play? The turnover. It was that turnover to Bushman. So we the can't fifty-yard completion. We can't turn. Well, yeah, right. That's one. <laughs> yeah, that's another way to think of it. But you say no, we can't turn it over because those turnovers are just the biggest plays. So we got to limit turnovers. So we're not going to throw it downfield because that's where. See the turnovers. That's one way to analyze it. Yeah. But what you, that analysis misses is all the plays you could have made by throwing it deep and all the good things that happen when you throw it deep. So I think of the one of the biggest plays of the game tonight that could have been that ended up not being that big uh, was Bo falling down, avoiding yeah. the rush on his back foot, throws it to double coverage, yeah. and you get a P.I. Yeah. And good things can happen when you throw it deep. Yeah. Not only does the receiver generally have the advantage because they're watching the ball. Secondly, if there is an interception, it's a deep punt. You have a good chance of getting a penalty, and then you're going to soften up the coverage for the rest of the game. Yeah. And all of those reasons are why yeah. you do need yeah. to keep throwing deep. But there was one I forgot. I, I misspoke. Uh, they did run that uh, uh, out and up kind of thing with Jonah Trineman and hit him in between the two uh, defenders. Yeah. That was a big play. But, it, I mean, it is, you know, Jonah's a guy that if, if it's me, I'm, I'm throwing it deep to Jonah yeah, three to shot. four times yeah, a game, every game. Absolutely. Soften they... up the D, get a PI. Yeah, maybe you there. throw a pick. It's a long punt. Uh, but he's that fast. You're not taking advantage of it by not throwing deep to him. And should I just say a tactical thing? You can take the receiver from the left side, let's say, and run him across the face of that free safety. So the free safety is saying, man, i got to worry about this guy that's in my spot. Then you run that post pattern from the opposite side of the field behind that free safety who's coming up to play the, maybe that tight end. Then you're attacking without that safety out there. So it, it does give you an opportunity to throw a post pattern, which um, – it might be a little easier to complete than maybe just the straightaway fly. What's next for Tanner Mangum in the quarterback position? We'll talk about that when we continue. This is BYU Creamery, Cougar Nation Now. You can email us, Now at byu.edu. You can tweet at us, hashtag BYUCNN. Coming up in the next segment, we'll uh, throw out a trivia question that could win you some tasty Creamery ice cream. Oh, Stay yeah, with us. Yeah. BYU falls to Fresno State by a score tonight of 20-13. to 13. Fresno State takes the all-time series lead, 6-5. Yeah. Over BYU, the Cougars fall to 2-8. and eight. They'll be home for the holidays for the first time in 13 years. Back with more, Greg and Mark and Nate here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. All 
All right, to BYU Creamery, Cougar Nation now, hashtag BYUCNN. Donald Lee tweets in, says, Assuming Tanner may be out in 2018, what does BYU's three-deep at quarterback look like next season? And he references a tweet that wasn't addressed to us but was uh, put out into the world there by at Mark underscore RK. And what at Mark underscore RK did was reference and, and pull from a medical journal article. Now, this journal article is seven years old, all right? But there is a medical journal called the Lower Extremity Review. Not everyone has a subscription to this. Great and mine, reading. And yeah. mine lapsed recently. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I read it on the plane on the way out. But this study, and again, uh, the players looked at were, this is like 10 years old, so medical technology does advance and, 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 and things develop that way. But, but the, 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 the part that we're going to pull from is this. Of the 31, and this is the part that at Mark underscore RK cited, but I went and found the original source just to make sure we're operating off the same place and, and, and I'm not just quoting random stuff off the Internet. Of the 31 players who sustained, who sustained an Achilles tendon rupture, these are NFL guys we're talking about, Albert football, all right? Yeah, yeah. 21 returned to play in the NFL. 10 did not. And they returned to play at an average of 11 months after injury. That's the big number, okay? So here's Tanner getting hurt in November of 2017. October of 2018, you're in the middle of next season, if he stands by the typical 11-month. And again, this is an older study, but that said, it's a long recovery. In the three seasons following their return, those 21 players saw significant decreases in games played and power ratings compared to the three seasons preceding the injury. The bottom line, the takeaway is significant, and to count on Tanner being available for spring or even summer next year is not something you'd generally be considering right now. Guys, you ever just feel your Achilles? It's huge. <laughs> it's thick. It's massive. To rip that thing, I mean, that's it's traumatic. When it does, it just rolls up your leg. Yeah. It just, And you have to repair it quickly uh, or else it starts to atrophy away. So there's so many things. Uh, I know, Greg, when I brought up Marcus Whalen a few years ago, and you're going way back to Marcus <laughs> Whalen, well, I'm going further back. <laughs> Dick Felt. <laughs> player Dick Felt? Yeah, and coach. He coached at BYU. I know, but you went to the player version of Dick Felt? I'm going to the player version. Okay. Yeah. He. Uh, it's only back 60 years. Yeah. He had a Achilles injury that took him out of the end. He, he went back to play one more year, and he couldn't play. And so um, it, it was. It's a, it's a tough. That's that's where I learned about Achilles injuries. Is it's a tough thing to overcome. But there are many people. Well, at least ten that uh, did. No, that uh, made it out of that thirty-one. Twenty-one. Twenty-one that made it. And I would say, uh, I would suspect that quarterbacks have an easier time coming back than running backs, wide receivers, yeah. DBs. Mm-hmm. Well, I would think. At, Cha- at Chaplain Schumann with a second tweet into us, and he brings up this note that I kind of glossed over in my assessment of the BYU defensive stats, but thank you, uh, Chaps, for bringing it up. Telling stat, he says, is passes defended, passes broken up. Tonight, BYU broke up two passes. Shelton. Fresno, uh, Shelton had one, and Takitaki had one. I think his one might have been a deflection yeah. of the line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Fresno State broke up ten BYU passes. That's a big number. Yeah. And two of them, they got away with pass interference, so it's only eight. 
So, but they uh, were close enough to pass interfere. <laughs> yeah, they were close enough to interfere. That that was true. That's good. Uh, I I um, they throw a lot of those screens. You know, Fresno State throws that lateral pass a lot, and then they take a shot downfield. Uh, they're really trying to draw you up, and so it's an easy pass to throw, and it's hard to defend. You know, to knock that thing down, but uh, they're very successful with it. Email from Donovan, and Donovan references a play that you and I discussed in-game, live action. Uh, He said, I noticed BYU picking up the ball on punts twice at around the five-yard line when Mm -hmm. both times the bounce may have carried it into the end zone. The may have part, Mm -hmm. um, you you felt that's it. That's it. Who's to say is what you said. And and so I started rethinking that, that uh, uh, since it was going to be in that same neighborhood, somewhere inside the five-yard line when they downed it, what difference does it make? So maybe you probably do take a chance at it getting into yeah. the end zone instead of fair catching it at the five. Yeah, the expected value, if you if you calculate the probabilities and the cost and the benefits, uh, if you get it on the five, the four, the three, the two, the one, those are all pretty They're much all the same. same. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. So you want to risk the ball getting downed at the one in case it goes in because then you get it out a lot farther. And there's two things to that. You might drop it, which is going right, to be exactly. bad. And then the second thing is... Uh, yeah, if you do catch it, so what? But that ball did bounce high, you know, and... Uh, yeah, you just let it go. Yeah. Can I get an amen on, amen. The, most, on the most important uh, sequence of the game coming after BYU ties the game at 13? Yeah. 13-13, oh, yeah. and what follows? Oh, they put A the ball drive. on the 12-yard line, right. so everything's great for so, BYU. So what follows is a 14-play 88-yard, 6-minute, 48-second drive. And the last, let's see, uh, last one, two, three, four, five, six plays of the drive were Jordan Mims runs. Coming at you every time, yards after yards after yards into the end zone, touchdown. The consummate answer to when BYU says, hey, we've got a ball game heading into the fourth. All of a sudden, it's 20-13, to 13, and that was just the length of it, the way they did it, the fact they just said, we're going to run at you, try and stop us, and BYU could not, and those were the final points of this game. Walter emails in and makes the note that as BYU goes bowl ineligible today, BYU's former head coach gets bowl eligible. Oh, Bronco really? Mendenhall yeah, they in, won. Uh, in year number two with Virginia. Uh, of course, you know, when I saw that it was Virginia Tank playing Georgia Tech for bowl eligibility, I knew the Cavs would be bowl eligible because Bronco – knows how to beat Georgia Tech. He has a system. He's got it. So anyway, they beat him by four. And uh, Bronco Mendenhall's Virginia Cavaliers are bowl eligible. So congrats to Bronco and so many ex-BYU guys. And Kelly and Jason Beck and Shane Hunter. It's ex-BYU players and ex-BYU coaches all together there in Charlottesville. So BYU East gets bowl eligible uh, with the Cavs uh, winning their sixth game. That's another turnaround program. You know, last year they weren't as good as what well, they went two or three last year. Yeah. yeah. And now, yeah, they they are bowl eligible. Still some games to play. So the earlier question, by the way, came to us referencing the quarterbacks and the Achilles thing. You know, who's in the mix next year? Oh, yeah, that's right. And so it's it's going to be Cody Wilstead. Yep. It's going to be Joe Critchlow. Yep. And it's going to be Bo Hodge. Yeah, and we probably, have to say at this point, Coy Detmer's 
not favored, and so he'll, he might, be, might still be around, might not. But either way, your top three, unless they go the JUCO route and bring somebody yeah. else in there to compete. And there are those who believe that what BYU could have used this year was uh, someone from the JUCO ranks to, to, to compete with Tanner Steve uh, in, in the spring. And, um, Christian Stewart. And so, you know, those would be the three, right? I'm not missing anybody that's coming in that's expected to jump up above those guys, right? Mm. I, don't, I don't think yeah. so. So that's kind of how we're looking. Uh, all right, oh, well, they're take, signing a quarterback. They're going to sign a freshman that's very well. But I guess your top three you'd look at would be. And Willstead, we do know that he's going to redshirt, and he'll probably finish his redshirt this year. And uh, so that does give you a guy that we haven't seen play, but uh, had some talent last uh, in last spring ball. Before the break, email from Ken who says, "I'm listening to you after church in Australia, (laughs) where it's 6:33 p.m." So it's Sunday night there already. And, and he's through with this fast. Okay. <laughs> uh, thank you, Ken, uh, for, for checking in from down under. He says he's in Australia. He says, when you discuss the quarterback situation, please comment on the Critchlow playing opportunities. He didn't play tonight. Uh, played late last week. But at Kalani's quote post game was, it's, it's up to Joe and Bo, or Bo and Joe now. Uh, those will be the two that get the next looks uh, starting next week uh, against UNLV. Mm-hmm. And the Critchlow part of it, to answer Ken in Australia, since you are checking in from Australia, I'll let maybe Mark and Nate weigh in before the break in our trivia question on uh, what Joe Critchlow uh, might be able to do uh, to compete with uh, uh, Bo Hodge for playing time here down the stretch. Bo didn't have a great night tonight. He was 3 of 10, throwing it and lost yardage rushing. He uh, Critchlow is a uh, pro-style quarterback. He's listed at 6'4 and about uh, 200 and... No, six four two two hundred two hundred. Yeah, and uh, so he's a pocket passer. He has the ability to run. He's you know he had a positive gains in high school, threw for a ton of yards. Uh, had an offer from Vanderbilt. Uh, they say that uh, because he was going on a mission, some of the larger and schools in the area were backing off him. Was kind of their comment. And so, Vanderbilt couldn't commit to him post mission. And so uh, it was, uh, oh, come on, uh, Sorensen, the quarterback, uh, what's his first name? Brad Sorensen at Southern Utah? Yeah. Brad Sorensen ended up knowing his family and told him about SUU. Where Ed Lamb was. Yeah, where Ed Lamb was. And uh, so he said, this is a great place. Uh, I went there. It was terrific. Uh, I played for Coach Lamb. I think he's a great guy. And so he he ended up uh, talking to Coach Lamb, was excited about it. So when he committed to go to SUU, he was thinking, I'm going to make the same kind of route as Brad Sorensen. <laughs> and, uh, in fact, Brad Sorensen stayed at their house for a while. And pretty interesting story. Good background there on the Joe Critchlow deal. Uh, Jake Cahoon with a, uh, a tweet at hashtag BYUCNN. I think it will be our final tweet of the night before we break and give you trivia. Why isn't the D-line more disruptive this year? They rush four and almost never get to the quarterback. Is it technique? Question mark. And I think the times that I've talked with with Coach Tuiaki about this, um, I get the sense that that he'd prefer more disruption from the four that they send, but he's hesitant to send a lot more for fear of what's behind them. That's just my reading between the the lines of the situation. They've made that comment. And so, uh, yeah, and, and tonight was the same story. Some people noticed that. Boy, they're just not doing anything. And uh, a couple times they did come. You know, you see those guys crowding the line, but then they back off. But sometimes they did come. But we just, they just didn't get enough pressure on the quarterback for him to be able to sit back. And when it's fun for the quarterback, 
Oh, it's not fun for your defense. Every BYU, sorry, man, BYU was a very disruptive team last year. BYU's havoc rate ranked in the top 35 nationally. Havoc is passes broken up, tackles for loss, and fumbles forced. Those are disruptive plays. And BYU this year coming into tonight was 120 in tackles for loss. Uh, passes defended a low number, so not nearly the disruption level this year than last. And in part of it by design, BYU rarely sends more than the four. Nate? Yeah, the secondary struggling. And every time the offense picks up a blitz, which is really not that hard to do, <laughs> Um, if you're a running back, you see the guy coming, you just block, block him. him. Every time they pick up the blitz correctly, you're down one to two people in the secondary. And when your secondary is already struggling, that's a pretty big disadvantage. So the big change uh, when with Broncos 3-4 defense and the Kalani coming in with the 4-3 defense is the 4-3 defense is expected to get pressure from the defensive linemen. In the 3-4, you're going to get pressure from the blitz guy, and you don't know which of those four guys is going to be the guy coming. So you have an opportunity to surprise them sometimes. And so uh, the fact that you're rushing these four guys and they have the job to get through those linemen, uh, it's a task that you've got to have strong, quick, mobile people. As we head to break, and thank Cougar Nation for chiming in on the BYU Creamery Cougar Nation now, it's time to win some ice cream. You can send us in your guesses, what you think are the correct responses, at either the email, CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. That's CougarNationNow, one word, two ends, CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. Or you can tweet us with the hashtag BYUCNN. So BYU will not be going to a bowl this year for the first time since 2004. In 2005, the three-season bowl-less streak ended. The question, in 2005... Which team faced BYU, in which bowl, and who was the head coach of BYU's opponent? So it's a three-part question. Wow. In 2005, when BYU snapped a three-season bowl-less streak, which team did BYU play? In which bowl did BYU play that team? And who was the head coach of that team? All three answers for ice cream. And I got a few more. Well, no, no, I think three's good. What do you know? Well, this is just bonus. Okay. Who was the best running back on that team? Who was the best wide receiver on that team? And who led the game in receptions? You did. How about that? <laughs> okay, so I, I know the last part's Nate Mickle. You had like uh, 12 grabs for like 45 yards. No, 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 no. 12 grabs, period. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, so Nate had 12 catches that night, and I'm going to say. Can I, but if I give the other two, you though, it gives it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can wait on those. But uh... but I, I know right now it's Deshaun Jackson on the receiver part, and it's Marshawn oh. Lynch on the oh, wide receiver. Oh, wait. Did you just say I'm better than Deshaun Jackson? That's what, what he said. I had more catches than Deshaun Jackson. I must be better. You are better than Deshaun Jackson. I must be better Jackson. than Deshaun Jackson. All right. But just, yeah, give well, three, say... just give us the three answers that matter. But I was right, though, on those other two. Oh, wasn't yeah, you I? nailed it. Quickly, Nate's kind of uh, trivia questions are positive, and I was the 1968 quarterback. <laughs> well, oh, what's the, up with the losing streak? Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, also on that team that night, um, Justin Forsett, Marshawn Lynch and Justin Forsett were the two backs in the backfield Jeez. for that team. So the questions still apply. We didn't tell you the team. We didn't tell you the coach. We didn't even tell you the bowl. We just answered other things. So uh, send it in. We'll give ice cream away after this. Final break of this game is right now here on the New Skin BYU Sports Network.
As our final gesture at the end of a seven-hour broadcast day, football broadcast day, I did, you know, three or so hours of soccer in another city earlier today. But as our final gesture on this seven-hour football broadcast, we are giving away two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream. The question was, when BYU ended a three-season bowl-less streak in 2005, in which bowl did BYU play? Which team did BYU play, and who was the coach of that team? And Scott may be a repeat winner, but Scott Paul was first in with a correct response. We've had multiple correct responses, many, many correct responses, but only one can be first. And so to all the BYU fans who nailed all three parts of the question, I applaud all of you, but there can be only one winner of two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream. And it's Scott Paul tonight, and I think Scott may have won before, but that's okay. We don't say... You can only win once. Right. If you keep, if you're smart all the time, then you win all the and time. I, and I do have to say hi to Scott. See, and somehow you know a lot of these winners. Yeah, Scott was one of the very first BYU football super fans that I met. Scott was one of the first guys I met that like he knew everything about everyone. Scott's a diehard, great guy. Uh, good to hear from you, Scott. And Scott's a winner tonight, and he's got two half gallons coming his way. He says the answers were. Cal, the Cal Golden Bears, that is correct. The Las Vegas Bowl, also correct. And Jeff Tedford, you see the tie-in there? Yeah. BYU's opponent tonight was Fresno State head coach Jeff Tedford. And he led Cal to a 35-28 win over BYU that night in Vegas. BYU was down 35-14. 14 fourth-quarter points made it interesting. Look who scored the touchdowns for Cal that night. Marshawn Lynch, three-yard touchdown run. Marshawn Lynch, 23-yard touchdown run. Deshaun Jackson, 42-yard reception. Right before half. Marshawn Lynch, 35-yard touchdown run. Deshaun Deshaun Jackson, 22-yard touchdown reception. So Marshawn Lynch and Deshaun Jackson (laughs) scored every touchdown for the Bears that night. How many many touchdowns did I have that game? They were a little bit loaded. Uh, You did not score. (laughs) Curtis Brown scored. Fahu Tahi scored. Johnny Harleen scored. Todd Watkins scored. Todd Watkins scored. But Nate Mickle caught a game-high 12 passes. Las Vegas Bowl record. I said 48. It was twice that. 95 (laughs) yards. 12 receptions, 95 yards for my man Nate. 12 receptions. Yeah. And and you decided to pass up the NFL in order to stay <laughs> Hang with, with us? I just wanted yeah. to get married. Yeah. Met my wife. <laughs> Congratulations, Scott Paul. Congratulations, Nate Mickle. All right, that's going to do it. Folks, it wasn't a great night uh, for BYU football, but I hope you had a good night with us. You know, that's what it's all about. Can we all have a good time together? We hope so. Hey, I, I feel like we're the three best friends that anyone you know, could have. Yeah, I know, and it's true, but... I came in a little bummed, you know, with starting off with a soccer loss. And I was in such conflict because Madison scored twice. So, wow, Mark, that's so great. again, some, some just tuning in. They may not know the backstory, but uh, Maddie Lyons Matthews, and I'll call her Maddie Matthews more often than not, uh, she's the granddaughter of my buddy Mark Lyons. Yeah. And she just capped a four-year career of BYU soccer today yeah. by scoring her eighth and ninth goals of this year, 13th and 14th goals of her career. And she ends up in the top 25 in BYU career goals scored. What a senior season yeah. for Maddie. I call her Maddie, and you, as the doting grandfather you are, still call her Madison. Madison. She says, you know, Greg... Grandpa Mark just always calls me. He just always calls me Madison. He's never called me Maddie. He just sticks with Madison. Yep. That's what a grandpa does. <laughs> and so here I am saying, "Wow, she scored twice." But oh man, they lost four to three on kind of like a PK, and it's kind of a 
bad deal. And Weird stuff. Set pieces. Yeah. All four goals on set pieces. But uh, that was the way the day began. I called the loss. I came to Fresno, called another loss. Not the best of days. It's gonna, not you. I, you aren't the common denominator, are you? I started, I in, I started in Berkeley today at a conference Ooh. on uh, AI and technology, AI spoke. psychology. You drove a lot I presented too. some research that I'm doing on artificial intelligence. They're coming for us. Watch out. <laughs> Hopefully we can merge with them and become them. Otherwise, we lose to them. I asked today about what's happening with the Apple iPhone. Where my eyes are becoming these funny symbols, and Nate said aliens. And I meant AIs, basically. You meant AI, basically. I meant AIs. Yeah. You know, the, you have this... You think about the gorillas, and you know the gorillas are sitting around right now thinking, "Why did we ever evolve the humans? Like, why did we do that?" Okay, we're gonna we're gonna stop on that. We're gonna, <laughs> uh, if we can get going on that one yeah, for a while, this becomes an hour long. You're gonna get that discussion. at IHOP. All right. Okay, um, that's gonna do it then for tonight. We've gotten to the point where we just say uh, so long, and thanks to all those who made our broadcast possible. Our next football broadcast is coming up six nights hence. We'll be in Las Vegas for BYU and UNLV. What did UNLV do tonight or this weekend? They beat Hawaii. They beat Hawaii. So what does uh, what does UNLV's record stand at now? I ask. Four you. and five. So they're 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 still uh, they're still in the mix for a postseason, right? They're still playing yeah, for a bowl, right? So UNLV is is still uh, is still playing for the postseason at four and five. Yes, they're three and three in league, but four and five. So they've got a shot, and BYU does not. So the Vegas uh, Rebels have something to play for. We'll see if BYU can play. Spoiler next week. It'll be a six thirty Mountain Time pregame, eight thirty kick. So it's another late night. This time a Friday night for BYU and UNLV. During the week, we'll have a coordinators' corner show Monday at noon, a Satake show Tuesday at seven, uh, some basketball Wednesday at seven, and some basketball regular season opener next Saturday at seven. That'll be after football on a Friday night. So a lot to come uh, in the next week. Hope you join us for some or all of it. Our thanks to our control board operator, uh, Carter Malloy, who gained an hour on us somehow tonight back east. Uh, Carter, uh, appreciate you being on the board all day long with us. Our network manager is Mike Tingle. Our coordinating producer is Dave Shook. You see, Carter's already had the time change. Yeah, we're, we're and still in 10 minutes, oh. my wife will get that. And we're still an hour away from the time yeah. change. So thanks to our Back East crew, our appreciation to our flagships, the satellite, BYU Radio, over-the-air KSL News Radio, uh, the sports information staffs of BYU and Fresno State, the operations people here at Fresno, our engineer, Barry Squires, engineering assistant, Tanner Wilkinson, intern Tanner. He's going to know how to do a lot of stuff when this internship ends. Tanner already next knows spring. how to do a lot of stuff. He's, yeah. and he's, and he's learned already, even more. Yeah. He's learned even more. Yeah. He he could actually do my job now. Is what it comes <laughs> down to. Tanner's done this. This is nothing. Uh, so thanks to Barry and Tanner, to our spotter uh, Doug Martin, our stats man Ralph Sokolowski. That leaves just the uh, the three of us then, right? The talkers, the three amigos. All right. So for Nate oh, Mickle, Nate, good night to you. Are you afraid of the AIs? People ask me if I, I'm afraid of the AIs, I, I and I say, them. I welcome them. Yeah, I'm nice to my dog. If, I think the AIs will be nice to me. If they can help me uh, lose weight and stay alive longer, I'm all I'm all about yeah. the AI Call him life. the academic All-American, though. Nate Mickle is the uh, academic All-American, <laughs> and he's my buddy to the right. My and friend my to friend. the left is Mark Lyons. Mark, we're going to go find some grub somewhere. That's right. All right, Mark and I are going to go eat, and uh, we bid you all a fond adieu. Uh, Till next week at UNLV. My name is Greg Rubel, and we are the three best friends that anyone can have. And we've just called BYU's game against Fresno State, Bulldogs 20 and BYU 13, our final score. So in the meantime, and in between time.
This has been BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. I say good night. I say so long. From Fresno, California. Talk to you next week.